Good morning and welcome to our Sunday morning worship service for June 13. This is Winkler Berchtaler Mennonite Church. So glad you've tuned in. Pull up a chair, open your Bible, and join us for worship. Would you join us for our opening song this morning, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Good morning and welcome. Whether you are a regular attendee 
or this is your first time with us, we want to make sure that you know how much we appreciate you joining us as we worship the Lord together here at the Winkler Burktoller Mennonite Church. We trust that you will feel at home and that your heart, soul, and spirit will be uplifted as the Lord ministers to us together. Take your bulletins with me at this time and turn to page two for the announcements. Monday at 7.30 p.m., the Finance Committee will be meeting. And then on Tuesday at 9.30 a.m., women's prayer meeting at that time. Also, continue to pray for peace of mind for Betty Reimer as she comes to terms with the diagnosis of bone cancer. Pray also for wisdom for the doctors who are treating her. Betty is in the Boundary Trails Hospital at this time. Also, pray for safety for the graduates in our community in this, and also in the surrounding areas around us. Then also remember K and pray, K and K in your prayers. They are our missionaries. And then also an expression of sympathy. Helen Suderman passed away on Friday, and that was May the 25th, and a private family service was held. Uh, she was the mother to Dorothy and Nick Hyde. And then also remember uh, Judy Pauls. Uh, in prayer, as she has been serving uh, for the last number of years, many years, and Judy has stepping down at this time, and she is going to be um, beginning a new uh, uh, job outside the church. Betty Dick will be the new chair, church librarian. Then also at the back of the foyer, our daily bread. It's a large devotional of July, August, and September are available on the table out there. When you drop by the church, pick one up for yourself. As we continue to pray, our hearts, uh, pardon me, as we continue to prepare our hearts for worship, let us focus on the Word of God. The Apostle Paul um, met with the Ephesians elders, and that is found in Acts chapter 20, verse 32 to 38. And Paul's farewell is given by the Ephesians. And this is what the scripture says to us. The Apostle Paul writing to these believers, he says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourself know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we will help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. It's hard to say goodbye and farewell, especially when one believes that they will not see their brother or sister again on this side of heaven. But oh, the reunion that will take place when we as believers will get to the other side. Let's bow our hearts in a word of prayer as we go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you to worship, praise, and adore you. Heavenly Father, you have been gracious, kind, and loving towards us. As you have blessed us to live in a land of plenty where not only all our needs are met, but yet even our wants. However, far greater than all this is the wonderful gift that you gave us in your Son. He came and he died in our place. We have also been blessed to be able to hear the gospel and to have you prompt our hearts to respond to the greatest invitation, and that is of salvation. Thank you that when we believe, when we repent of our sin and turn to you, that you cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and that you make us your son or daughter. Lord, we bring before you 
those who govern our province. We pray for Brian Pallister and his government as they make difficult decisions where there will always be someone who is happy or angry. That's why we pray for our governing officials that they would be endowed with your wisdom to make choices that will line up with your will. Lord, help us all to be men and women of prayer who will hold up our leaders so that they can do that which is right and honoring to you. Heavenly Father, we continue to pray for Betty Reimer. As she goes through this difficult time, realizing now that she has been diagnosed of bone cancer, we pray, Lord, that you would grant wisdom to the doctors who are treating her. We pray that you would give her strength, that she would feel your presence in this difficult time, that she would be lifted up as she depends upon you and as she reads her word, the word, and as people come and visit, we pray, Lord, that you would give her strength. Heavenly Father, we also pray for the graduates in our community here at Winkler and also in Morden and the surrounding villages we ask, Lord, that your hand would be upon all those who are graduating. They have important decisions to make. We pray, Lord, that they would make the decisions that are right, that your hand would be upon them. We pray for our missionaries, K and K. We ask, Lord, that you'd continue to be with them as they are out on the field, that in the midst of everything, that you would grant them your hand of protection that you would, Lord, make their path straight. Lord, that as they present the gospel to others, that their hearts would be sensitive. Lord, that there would be many people who would come to know you as Lord and Savior. We pray for Helen Suderman's family as she has passed away on Friday. We ask, Lord, that your hand would be upon her, that upon her family, And Lord, we just pray that you would strengthen Dorothy and Nick. They are part of our congregation here, and yet they also have siblings and other loved ones who mourn and who realize that Helen is gone, but the good news is that she is with you. Give them strength. May they feel your presence each step of the way and your comfort. Heavenly Father, we also bring before you others in the congregation who are suffering with health problems. Also, others who have difficulties. You know all about them. We pray that you would touch them and bring healing. Where there's hardship and broken relationships and difficulties, that you would minister in each and every one of these situations. And we thank you for Judy Pauls. We thank you, Lord, for the years that she served as church librarian. We ask, Lord, your hand would be upon her now as she goes into a new area of work. May you give her strength and lead in her life. And we thank you now that Betty Dick is coming to work in the library. We, we know that she has worked in many other aspects of the church. We ask, Lord, now that you would give her strength and wisdom as she fulfills this position. We pray for those who participate in the service this morning, who have worked hard also to put the service together. May your hand be upon each one as they are drawn closer to you, as they rely on you for strength and guidance. Have your hand upon Pastor Victor as he brings the message and that he remains true to the word and that each person who hears would listen intently and then apply the truths that they learn today. We pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. At this time, Pastor Victor will lead us in two more congregational hymns. Join us to sing together, Precious Lord, Take My Hand.
And now let's sing together, Christ Liveth in Me. doing? Are they growing? Wasn't that a fantastic rain we had last week? And maybe there's even more to come. Well, do you, some, do you remember the fruit that we talked about, the fruit of the Spirit that we talked about, that if we love Jesus grows right in us? And I asked you to maybe work on memorizing that? Well, I thought it would be a good idea to review that with you. So, this is it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Galatians 5 verses 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Nine things that grow in us by the Spirit when we love Jesus. Well, today's lesson, what is this? Why don't you tell each other there in the room, what is this? It's not a trick question. It's the Bible. And what is in the Bible? It is God's own word to us. So what does it tell us? It tells us everything we need to know. It tells us where we came from. In the beginning, God. It tells us why we're here and what we're all about. It tells us what is right and wrong to do. It tells us how God wants us to live. And importantly, God's word is all true. Yes. And the more we get to know this book, the more we get to know God's word, the more 
we can know Jesus. The more we know Jesus, the more we will love and obey him and trust him, and the stronger we will be able to stand when things in the world are changing and uncertain. Even if you're moving to a new school next year, or with all this COVID thing, stuff and how things are going, things are uncertain and they're changing and sometimes they're frightening. Well, the more we get to know Jesus and God's word, the better we will be able to see and know which way to go, how Jesus wants us to live. Because he shows us the way. He is the light. As we're going down a dark path, Jesus is the light. The more we get to know Jesus and God's word, the sweeter and more precious it's going to be to us. The more we get to know Jesus and God's word, the stronger we're going to be. The stronger we'll be, the better able we're going to stand and be courageous. It's like standing on a firm and solid rock and the wind can't blow us and we've got a sword to help us fight and know. So here's a new Bible verse. It's not a very long one. It's from 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. Now, it says, Be men of courage, but it's for us too. Boys and girls, men and women, all of us. So let's say it together. Be on your guard. It's like being on our guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. And do everything in love. That is a very good verse for us to know and to have in our hearts to remind us. So, uh, today I have a little video clip for you also of some songs that I sang with my grandgirls. Uh, and after we pray, I would like you to join me and my granddaughters in singing the B-I-B-L-E and also the other one. But first, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us so very, very much. Thank you that you've given us the Bible, God's very own word to us, to tell us everything we need to know about life. Thank you that your word is true and trustworthy. It shows us the way to go. It helps us to stand firm in this world where things are often very uncertain and the winds like today are blowing hard. Jesus, help us to be strong and courageous and to stand firm. We love you. Please help us with these things. Amen. And after the songs, I wish you a very, very good day. <laughs> Ready? Should I go rolling already? Okay. Let's sing. Read your Bible. Pray every day. I've got my two granddaughters with me. Please join us. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Pray every day. Pray every day. Pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, 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 and you'll grow, 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 and you'll grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And now we're going to sing the B-I-B-L-E. Ready? The B-I-B-L-E Yes, that's the book 
for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B L B L E, the B L double O D that Jesus shed for me. I'm cleansed from sin now. I belong to Him. The B L double O D. Have a great day. First Corinthians sixteen. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then, when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve, and then send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you. For I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while, or even spend the winter, so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work is opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. When Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace, so that he may return to me. I am expecting him along with the brothers. Now about our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus arrived. Because they have supplied what was lacking from you, for they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers and sisters here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, here we are.、Uh, finally, we have reached the end of the letter to the Corinthians, and、uh, I don't know if you remember when we started. I had to look that up. But that was in February of 2019 that I began this series, so it's about time we wrap it up.、Uh, here we are at the close of this letter that Paul wrote to a fledgling church in a prominent city. Corinth was culturally rich and materially wealthy and morally corrupt. And this letter was supposedly written、uh, in the year 55, and as we'll discover, Paul wrote this letter from Ephesus, where he was on his third missionary journey. What I'm going to do this morning is give us a, a quick rundown of chapter 16.、Uh, it's、uh, not really too terribly deep,、uh, but at verses 13 and 14, Paul has something significant for us. And we're gonna. After we've done the quick run through, we're gonna go back and focus on those verses. So,、uh, let's get started then. The first four verses of First Corinthians chapter sixteen. They are about giving. Now, about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. Saving it up, so when、uh, I come, no collections will have to be t- have to be made. Then, when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve, 
and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go, then they will accompany me. So the instruction here is pretty clear. Here we have a wise reminder to do regular giving. We practice this very thing when we save up to buy something or when we put aside money every month for our retirement, for example. And we recognize the wisdom of doing that because we know that if we wait till we have a large sum of money to dump in there, that probably it'll never happen. In the end, we would have no retirement fund at all. So that principle of setting aside a little bit every week helps to ensure that when the need arises, the funds are there. So there's wisdom in that that we all recognize. Another principle uh, that we find here is that we give according to our income. We often like to think in percentages, but this does open the door also to other thinking on these thoughts. How much do I need for myself? How much can I give? Or at what point am I willing to give up something for myself so that someone else may benefit? So there are a number of questions there to ask, but of course we are encouraged to give. These verses also suggest that we might be discerning about whom we assign to handle and deliver our gifts. Those persons should be approved by the church. And approval comes through scrutiny of those persons and some commitment on their part to the church. Uh, this is also wise counsel, because how we handle our resources is an integral part of our witness. We tell the world what we value by how we handle and spend our money. So the instruction here is weekly giving, according to income, put in the hands of trusted servants. Let's continue in verse 5. After I go through Macedonia, again Paul writing to the Corinthians, after I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay on in Ephesus. In Ephesus. So there it is. He's in Ephesus. I will stay on in Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. Paul wanted to visit Corinth, but only after going to Macedonia. And in the meantime, he wanted to be in Ephesus because of the opportunity that was there. Paul did not want to squander this opportunity, even though there was much opposition. If you recall from the book of Acts, in chapter 19, uh, Ephesus is where uh, there were many converts to Jesus who formerly worshipped idols. And a riot arose in that city uh, because the craftsmen who made idols understood that their trade and their income was in jeopardy if everyone was going to turn away from idols to the living God. And, and that is the opposition that existed there in Ephesus. In Macedonia, where Paul intended to go after that, were the cities of Thessaloniki and Philippi. Of course, you recognize those names as the names of letters where Paul also started churches. In verses 10 to 12, Paul encourages the Corinthians to be hospitable to Timothy, a fellow worker, if he should pass through. And Apollos, who is a, another founding brother of the church in Corinth, uh, go back to chapter 1 to check that out, uh, it, seems, it seems that he was eager also to go back to Corinth, but not at this time. The statement that follows then in verse 13 makes sense in light of the founding fathers of the church in Corinth not being present. Paul is not there, Apollos is not there, and Timothy might pass through, but he wouldn't stay. Therefore, Paul encourages them in verses 13 and 14, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. 
Paul has just argued in chapter 15 for the certainty of the resurrection. And since their, their founders, their apostles and shepherds are not present, Paul is saying, don't let your guard down. Be the watchman. Stand your ground and be courageous and do it in love. I'm going to come back to those two verses a little bit later, so let's just keep going for now. In verses 15 to 18, Paul takes note of converts who devote themselves to serving the saints. Hold them in high esteem, is Paul's urging, and that we should submit to them, to men like this who give their lives to the saints, and to join those who advance the gospel. Such men deserve recognition, Paul says, and he encourages the church to bestow honor on them. This too is a good reminder for us, is that our mindset to hold in high esteem those who serve the church and who, who do the work of advancing the gospel. Do we care about their work? Do we encourage them? Do we pray for them? Then Paul finishes his letter with final greetings, encouraging affection among them as he expresses his own affection for the church. So that's our quick rundown of 1 Corinthians 16. The whole letter is that of a man who cares deeply for his church, for this church, and is keenly interested in their victory over the world around them and in being well anchored in the truth. So let's go back now to verses 13 and 14 where we will spend the rest of our time and find some meaningful instruction for everyday life in Winkler. It was in light of the absence of the apostles, the founders, and the shepherds of the Corinthian church that Paul spoke these verses. Now, it is difficult to say whether or not there was a shepherd among them, whether they had a, uh, a pastor or a minister among them. Uh, none are mentioned, and Paul is giving this instruction for them to be on guard. I imagine a scenario like, uh, a bit like the 15-year-old on the family farm when mom and dad and all the rest of the family wanted to go on a weekend vacation and dad gave instructions about what needed to happen on the farm while everyone else is gone. I think it's kind of like that. So Paul is saying, I know, I know we're not there right now, so here's what you need to do. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong, do everything in love. <clears throat> So what does all this mean? I'm going to go line by line through these two verses. And I'm going to use examples from the Old Testament to help explain what they mean. Be on your guard. Be watchful, another translation says. What does it mean to be watchful? Well, the prophet Ezekiel gives us insight into being watchful. And listen to these words of the Lord to Ezekiel. This is from chapter 33, uh, verses 2 to 9. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, speak to your countrymen and say to them, When I bring the sword against the land, and the people of the land choose one of their men and make him their watchman, and he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people, then if anyone hears the trumpet but does not take warning and the sword comes and takes his life, his blood will be on his own head. Since he heard the sound of the trumpet but did not take warning, his blood will be on his own head. If he had taken the warning, he would have saved himself. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people and the sword comes and takes the life of one of them, that man will be taken away because of his sin, but I will hold the watchman accountable for his blood. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word of the Lord I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, 
O wicked man, you will surely die. And you do not speak out to dissuade him from his ways, that wicked man will die for his sin. And I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you warn the wicked man to turn from his ways, and he does not do so, he will die for his sin, but you will have saved yourself. We are to be on guard as Ezekiel is a watchman for Israel. The transfer of meaning from being a watchman against the threat of a human army to the threat of a spiritual enemy is not hard to make. The application is for us to be watchmen against the spiritual enemy, our spiritual enemy. That enemy is everything that stands against Jesus Christ and against truth. We are to watch out for falsehood creeping into the church. And there are many such things. A few examples. The lie that the Bible is not completely trustworthy. The lie that Jesus is not the only way to God. The lie that people are basically good. The lie that Christian life is about self-improvement. The lie that marriage is not restricted to one man and one woman for life. The lie that it's okay to kill babies or people who don't want to live anymore. The lie that a boy can be a girl or a girl can be a boy. The lie that if I don't forgive someone, it's not a big deal. The lie that there is no conscious eternal torment for those who refuse to believe God. These are just some of the falsehoods that are ravaging the church. You do not have to look far to find a church that accepts many of these lies as truth. Be on your guard. Be watchful. Number two, stand firm in the faith. What does it mean to stand firm in the faith? I think it means putting on your armor and standing on God's word. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul outfits us with the armor that God provides. And then he wrote this, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. There's a great story in Second Chronicles chapter 20, the account of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, when he was told of an approaching army. Let me read that for you. It's about standing in faith, standing firm in faith. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 2. I'm going to skip a few verses here and there just to uh, keep our line of thought. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the, from the other side of the sea. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in distress 
and you will hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast enemy that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, a Levite, a descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some of the Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. They set out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward that vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. What a great story. Our responsibility, like that army, is to take our positions, to stand firm, when we face the enemies of God, we need not fight. We need only to stand. The only weapon in the armor of God is the word of God. The only way to wield it is to speak it. When the winds of oppression, injustice, and unbelief blow across this land, we are to stand firm. So that when the raging stops, we are still standing. The battle is the Lord's. Number three, be men of courage, be strong. What does that mean? Well, that phrase translates just two Greek words. There are only two Greek words there. The first word means to exhibit courage in the face of danger, to be brave and courageous. And the second word means to become strong psychologically, to be brave and strong in a non-physical sense. The implication is that the believer is to be sufficiently strong as to be able to dominate any evil influence. That's what the dictionary I was looking at said. Well, these are the kinds of words that have been spoken to men who rise up to take on something big. Like Moses, 
when he spoke to Israel before they crossed the Jordan into the promised land. Be strong and courageous. Like Moses said to Joshua when Joshua was to succeed him as leader. Moses said to him, be strong and courageous. And like the Lord said to Joshua before he was about to lead Israel to claim the promised land. Be strong and courageous. Listen to this account from Joshua chapter 1. Starting at verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The Corinthian church faced a city that, except for their little fellowship, was entirely pagan. There was idol worship everywhere. There was sexual immorality everywhere. And I think it is safe to assume that if the latest ideas and philosophies were being explored in Athens, as Paul discovered when he was there, that the same thing would be happening in Corinth as well, just 50 miles away. Both were port cities, both were hubs of world trade. The encouragement that God gave to Joshua is this kind of encouragement, where we hear, uh, the encouragement that uh, we hear in the words that Paul said to the Corinthians. Be men of courage, be strong. Or as the ESV states it, act like men, be strong. The encouragement is that men rise up and do what they were created to do. To guard, to protect, and to stand. And we can be sure that the Lord is with us. Ezra said to his people, The hand of the Lord our God is for good on all who seek him, and the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. So the fourth line is, do everything in love. All these things that I've said, now we need to do that in love. Well, what is the measure of whether we do something in love. I suggest to you that acting in love must coincide with acting according to truth. In our society, we have come to think that if people don't affirm everything I think or do, then they don't love me. In fact, then they must hate me. Well, this too is a lie. Is it an act of love to teach children nothing about God and allow them to make up their own minds as they grow up. If you saw your child or grandchild inadvertently running toward the campfire, would you allow that child to run into the fire? No, you wouldn't. In fact, you would do everything in your power to prevent that from happening. That would be an act of love. Is it an act of love to let the ungodly run toward the eternal fire without sounding the alarm? To act in love is to act with compassion according to what is true. To love is to act with the good of the other person in mind. So the message and the application of this sermon is this. Be on your guard against the enemy 
Be alert to deception and to the de- and to the devil's schemes. And how do we do that? Read your Bible. Read and understand your Bible so that you are able to discern truth from falsehood. Be careful what you let into your homes. Be careful what you let into your mind. Be on guard. Secondly, stand firm in faith. Put on the armor. Take up your positions and stand. Whenever or wherever the winds of falsehood blow, stand on truth. You don't need to fight. You don't need to get angry. You just need to stand on truth. Thirdly, be men of courage and be strong. The Lord said he would not leave us or forsake us. The hand of our God is for good on all who seek him. And then do everything in love. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, it looks like a difficult task to do what these two verses call us to do. But we trust, Father, in your Spirit, whom you sent to live in those who believe you. So, Father, we commit ourselves to being on guard, to standing firm in the faith, to being men, being people of courage, and being strong. And then, Father, probably the most difficult part is to do this in love. Would you help us to love one another? In Jesus' name, amen. Would you join us for our last song this morning? Rise up, O men of God. Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of kings. Rise up, O men of God, his kingdom tarries long. Bring in the day of brotherhood and end the night of wrong. Rise up, O men of God, the church for you doth wait. Her strength unequal to her task, rise up and make her great. Lift high the cross of Christ, tread where his feet have trod. As brothers of the Son of Man, rise up, O men of God. And now this benediction and blessing for us. This is from Galatians chapter 1. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us.